At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning. Welcome to SawCast number 38. This production of SawCast is brought to you courtesy of Jocko Willing Productions and his technical staff, Kerry Helton's here today, and uh, um, my name is John Strykermeyer. I'll be your host for today. And um, what I like to do is to start off with a, a story from our time on the ground. And we had a recon team, RT Crusader, had been on the ground. They'd been in heavy contact for a long period of time, getting low on ammo. It was getting dark. And uh, the team was not in a position to get out. And so the team leader, Rick Estes, was on the radio, tried to make contact, couldn't make contact. And then he picked up his ERC-10, which was our emergency frequency radio. And he clicked on the radio, said, can anybody hear me? And at this point, I want to introduce Rick Estes. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> and that was that one mission was so unique. But you also maybe uh, before you talk about hitting the radio, what kind of trouble you had been in for how long? I didn't I didn't accurately portray the time, perhaps on that. Well, we had been on the ground. Uh, we got inserted two days earlier, so this was the beginning of day three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, we had got, we got inserted, it was into the DMZ, and we were looking down on the DMZ with some field glasses, and everything had gone fine. We had a good, uh, we had a good RON location, and we had good field glasses, and so we were monitoring the activity coming across with, uh, they were using brew porters to transport goods and stuff across, you know, oh, so of course. across the river. So everything had been fine, and then, um, <clears throat> it was about midday, and uh, the brew picked up some noise. And the brew would be the Montagnard tribesmen the, that we that worked with our teams up north. Yep, yep. The brew were the local uh, tribesmen, and uh, the team was a total brew team. And they heard some noise, and uh, it was myself and Sergeant Bingham. Um, so it, what it was, it was a cough. There was a cough. And uh, very quickly, a firefight broke out and fired towards the noise. Really, we didn't see him at that point, but we knew where he was. And um, so I threw a grenade, and we were we were, we we basically the 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 net of it was is that we shot him. And uh, there didn't seem to be anybody with him. Finney and, NVA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Finney NVA. 
<laughs> so uh, we made the decision to go out and, and bring him into the RON. Uh, we didn't see any other troops. We, we drug him into the, uh, to the site. And we took off um, all of the intel, anything we thought was important. We were looking for Chinese uh, coming down. I mean, that was so we were sensitive to that whole thing. That was part of your intel briefing, yeah, right? Before yeah. the mission on uh, mission prep, because there was some some uh, uh, suspicion that Chinese were reinforcing the NVA. So. Uh, uh, we left him there, and uh, I got on the the FM radio to get uh, relief from. Yeah, because <laughs> now your your mission is obviously compromised. Yeah. yeah, it's over. It's over. We were at the top of a of a, a rocky outcropping, and when that <clears throat> when that firefight took place, we knew it was it was finished. So I called for uh, uh, Xville, and uh, every time I tried to call out, I got jammed by a, a NVA radio operator. I, in the beginning, I, I wasn't sure that the, what was what was happening, but pretty quickly on, it was clear, you know. <laughs> so explain a little bit what that means. So like, ordinarily, you <clears throat> click into it, and you have a transmission, but in this case, you couldn't because you could hear something on your I could hear headset. him as clear as day. I thought maybe he was within a few yards. I, I didn't know. I was trying to put two and two together as to why he was so, excuse me a <clears throat> sec. Sure. <clears throat> why he sounded so close. Yeah. But it, but it, he might not have been that close. I couldn't tell. But he was uh, just uh, talking profanities and trying to jam the radio up. And initially, of course, the, without realizing what was going on, I'm, I'm yelling back at him and, yeah. you know, my own profanities. You could use the F-bomb if you want. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> These are Jocko podcasts. There, there you go. Okay. So we use true American <laughs> yeah, language yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so pretty quickly, though, I realized that he was he was jamming me, and uh, uh, I kept trying to get uh, one of the radio relays or Covey, and I couldn't. And Covey was the uh, aircraft that was right. up overhead. And they weren't there, and they couldn't hear me. So, um, I told Bingham, and and uh, uh, I didn't know at that point. I didn't really know what to do. But then the Irk Ten came to mind, and I pulled out the Irk Ten which was a high-frequency emergency radio that we all carried yeah, and uh, started transmitting on that. But I had no place to go. I mean, I had no freak other than just an emergency freak. And uh, I'm basically saying, you know, any station, any station, I'm an American uh, uh, combat unit under fire, yeah, and I need some assistance. And then out of the blue comes this <laughs> comes this. Uh, uh, transmission and the guy says uh, unknown station unknown station this is a commercial aircraft flying <laughs> over uh, Vietnam and uh, he said you know I told him I, I basically elaborated what the situation was and I gave him the uh, freak in the clear I gave yeah. him the FM freak <clears throat> to call and I says you you got to call and get somebody out here because uh, <laughs> we're in big trouble, and uh, and he did. But in the interim, the uh, the brew 
were getting really pissed about this whole thing because yeah. they expected us to be able to get a helicopter anytime we wanted it. I mean, that's that you know, <laughs> we provided the food, the transportation, and everything, and they were saying, you know, goddamn no helicopter and all this kind of thing. And I'm getting in an argument with them, and I'm saying, would you shut up? I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying yeah. to get us out of here. In the middle of a firefight. Yeah, in the middle of a firefight, you know. <laughs> So, at all this time, and this was not just a matter of minutes, this was quite a bit of time. They, they're coming up from the valley, coming up to our location. The NVA. Yeah, but we didn't know We didn't know how many. We didn't know any of that. But then we started taking incoming uh, rounds. And uh, we got in, got in uh, Covey came out, told me he was going to get us out. So, uh, in the meantime, then, we were, we were in a firefight, using up our ammo, and, and and there was no place for the chopper to land. It, it There was no place for it to land. Right. So what he had to do, and that's why these chopper pilots are amazing in Vietnam. I mean, they, you Absolutely. Know, yeah. It was an American. It was an American. Uh, he came up and he hovered right up next to the rocks, and he told us that's the best I can do, you know. Really? Yeah, and you're going to have to jump, jump from the rocks into the chopper. <laughs> so we, uh, we all proceeded to do it, and... Uh, and we we tried to bring the KIA with us. Good. Tell us about the KIA. Well, he was just laying there. Oh, the guy he, was killed first off. Yeah, yeah, the guy okay. that was killed up first off, and we we thought that it might help be helpful if we brought the body back. But he always tell us if you get the dead body, even yeah. bring it back. So that's what we tried, but it didn't work. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was he, he he was dead, and uh, that was it. Was too much trouble, and it was slowing everything down. And the the chopper took rounds, uh, took oh, some rounds, yeah, Whoa. while we were there. And so anyway, he got left behind, and uh, we all got out, and then um, got exfilled and came back to Fubai. They have to, they they did the whole team on, on, with one chopper. Or? Had to. Had wow, to. No we kidding. had no choice. Yeah, we were piled on top of each other, and and that's all we had. One one chopper, one Huey, and you're, and, you're down the last light and last couple of magazines on top of. Oh, it. we we'd run out of ammo. I mean, if if really? that chopper, well, we hadn't totally run out. We had a little bit left, but but I mean, we wouldn't have lasted very long at all if that chopper hadn't got there and got us. Whoa. We would have been screwed, because um, there was no place to go. And what yeah. was your basic load back then? Oh, you mean uh, for what you carried? For I carried. A, 18 magazines, eight grenades. Uh, sawed off M79. Sawed off M79. Uh, <laughs> I had a couple of smokes. I don't know. And I was there, loaded had, for a And bear. you had the radio. <laughs> and and I had the radio. Yeah, 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 I had the radio. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so but you was, able to get was, out. Yeah. So we all, wow. I didn't have that much when we left. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used up my grenades. I used up most of my ammo. So when the NVR cut up the hill, was that was that in canopy? Or was that a no? It was morbid. in canopy. We couldn't see, but you could hear them coming. We could hear them coming. They they were uh, they were firing off at us, and we didn't know. You know, we did, we really didn't know what we had there. We knew that there was a hell of a lot of them down in the valley, but that was a long ways up. Sure. So, but the but obviously the tracker. See, we at the time. You go back and you can see that the the uh, that he was a tracker, but at the time we weren't quite sure whether there was more behind him or where they were at and all that kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know how far away he got from his unit or had been following us, you know. But he made the the fatal error of coughing. His last cough. His last cough. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> that was the end. So so that, that, that so when we left, we still weren't sure what unit we had. Uh, uh, 
come in contact with or anything. We just had to get the hell out of there, and we did. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so was that early on, like one of your first few missions with Crusader? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I was actually making the transition. You know, right? I'd done a lot of strap hanging, and uh, yeah, so you this, ran one target with Idaho. I ran one target with Idaho. Sure, I, I <clears throat> would go out with anybody that would take me. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was getting broke in on, on the Crusader, yeah. and Bingham, uh, Sergeant Bingham, uh, went out because he had experience. Now he 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 died uh, uh, not. Two months after that, on a different operation, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. And then, um, God, that's just got to take a minute. And across the fence here, um, RT Idaho, when you were strap hanging with us, mm-hmm. we go into a, a DMZ target, and the uh, our point man had apparently either broken or severely strained his ankle. Yeah, yeah, he had a bad foot. Yeah, and uh, so. Believe the hard thing to believe is that we got inserted, and we called Covey to say, "Hey, our point man, come back and extract him." And from the time they tried to do it, they said he couldn't do it. We got socked in. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And that was the beginning of five days, which turned out to be the five coldest days. And uh, you know, you and I had been on the ground. I forget if it was the first night or the second night. And we were up on, t- on the hilltop. We could hear the NVA moving at night yeah. in the canyons below us. Yeah. And we knew we were socked in, so we didn't make contact to do anything that would stick out. Just did broke squelch for our comma check at midnight. Yeah. And then it was dark, and he said, going back to the, going to the book here, he said, <laughs> one of my favorite times, I sat there in the dark with Estes, both of us trying to keep our teeth from chattering. Look, I said, <laughs> I know you're from California, but we're going to need each other's body heat to survive out here. I've never been so cold in my entire life, so don't pull any funny stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the record, and I didn't. uh. You didn't, no, you're right. (laughs) But the body heat sure helped. Yeah, yeah, it helped. It's the coldest I've ever been in my life. The weather out there, you know, at that elevation and those mountains could come in on you like really really fast yeah and then when it did a lot of times it was zero you know that was the famous uh zero whiskey extra i mean you sure. couldn't see it you couldn't thing, see so, yeah and so yeah. that was our situation there yeah. for five days or five nights i yeah. know each t- during the days you and lynn and maybe one of the indigenous would go down look at the trail maybe put a couple of uh, booby traps down yep. there yep yep and then we were in on that target we were in there for five days five days yeah. And then finally on the, on the fifth, uh, sixth day, the weather broke a little bit. Covey came out. We could actually see Covey. And we'll, we we won't talk too much about the rest <laughs> of that story. We got extracted. Yeah, we Let's got extracted. Yeah. We were all cold. Yeah. Yeah. Our point man's son had a really bad ankle. And he could, that was a bad thing. We just could, literally couldn't move. Yeah, he heard it. With him. He heard it coming in. He yeah. heard it coming in, yeah. So um, going on for near, sir. <laughs> <laughs> There was one of the the one of the missions I remember the most from you was you're on the ground and uh, in Laos your uh-huh. team was on the ground enemies near you yeah seven or eight clicks away another team with a one zero Richard Jennings was on the ground with Reginald Gray right um, and there had been an, an enemy contact and you could hear the contact with them. I couldn't really hear it no they or were far enough away I I was listening to it on the radio right yeah. Okay, so at some point, 
they're getting into their their communications was failing miserably. Yeah. And you had to pick up the beat. Yeah. And that's what that story that night, that was a long night for you, but take it from the beginning when you, you knew what's going on, your team had been in for a day or two and yeah. uh, take it from there. Well, um again a brew team was um uh, my brew team, Chuck Willoughby, who is uh <laughs> I think he's a member of the SOA. I, he is. Yeah. Chuck Willoughby was with me, and, a, and, a, and an officer that I can't—I can't remember his name. He was—he showed up and was on that one operation, and I never saw him again. But we had taken our positions, and again, we were monitoring movement um, down the down the Ho Chi Minh Trail, right? Not the DMZ, but the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Yeah, you're in Laos now. Yeah, and. Um, Everything was going pretty routinely. We got settled in, and um, I heard from Jennings. I, he had a brew team as well. Right. And he was, I, he was an unknown distance from me, but it wasn't very far. It was probably about what you said, seven, eight kilometers away. Right. Yeah. And um, he checked in. I'm not sure he should have done that, but he checked in and just identified himself, and I— and then I got off the air. I was concerned about talking too much on a radio. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. About too much airtime because, uh, like you said, you could hear the NVA out there. They they knew we were there, but they didn't know exactly where we were. And we knew they had RDF, radio direction finding equipment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was did. always a main concern on the ground. And, and so we wanted to keep it low-key. I didn't hear any more from Jennings. And then all of a sudden, later that evening, early evening, the shit hit the fan, and Jennings comes on the radio, and he says, I'm under attack. And um, and I'm, I'm trying to get a, a sense of the situation. Right. And I'm saying, well, you know, are you talking to Lemon Tree or are you talking to Covey? And he says, no, I, I, I'm not getting anybody. And his transmissions would get shorter and shorter as we talked. So in the beginning, you'd have a normal, but then the, the length, the duration of the transmission was getting shorter. And what happened, uh, looking at backwards, looking at after the fact, was that his radio had taken a round, and it got in the battery, lodged in the battery, and it, the battery was defective. And um, so he asked me if I would... Uh, uh, Called for help. For radio me. relay. Yeah, so I was his radio relay, and I didn't like it. I mean, I did the whole thing was sure. bad, but he was under shit. I mean, you could hear the gunfire going and everything, and he was uh, uh, him and Reg Gray and his team were surrounded, and they had him pinned and um, up against the mountain, right? I, I think it was up against the mountain because he couldn't move. Yeah, he, he was he was he couldn't move. Well, darkness started setting in, and he was still fighting, and he was still using me to communicate, and um, and then it got dark, and and they set fire to his position. So I'm assuming, you know, he didn't. So he says, "Son of a bitch, they set fire." You know, they hell yeah, they're trying to burn I me out. I forgot about yeah, that part yeah. of the story. Sure. So he he uh, <clears throat> he went on into the night, and then his battery totally gave out in the middle of the night and I didn't hear from him anymore. So I took I looked over at Chuck and I remember giving it this kind of a sign, you know, and yeah, I'm saying he's cutting your he's, throat. Yeah, he's screwed. Yeah, like cutting he's finny. My throat. Yeah, he was finny. Well he wasn't finny and 
sometime during the night, they found uh, the, 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 the battery, the extra battery, because you're always supposed to carry a backup battery. <laughs> and he was so rattled during the firefight, he couldn't, he couldn't find it. But then he did find it and got back on the air, talked to me again, and then I stopped. I said, okay, if you don't need it, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Sure. You know, because we had our own problems too. And, uh, and then he got exfilled. Him and Reg got exfilled. And um, I remember it was dark humor, you know, when everything is really shitty. And <laughs> so I asked Gray, I said, would you climb out there and get me one of those NVA belt buckles, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he says, oh, okay, kayak, I'll try, you know. Yeah. But, of course, he, he's thinking he's full of shit. I'm not going anywhere, you know. Well, they got exfilled. They got exfilled and uh, made it back, and I think they lost one of their brew. Came out and got hung by the ropes as he was coming out. Ooh. And they had, uh, uh, they had one wounded, I believe. But I didn't find this out until quite a bit later because I, I couldn't get exfilled. You know, I couldn't yeah. get out. So. So that was uh, that was him, and and I was the I was his, uh, you know, his connection. Yeah, and then also, you were able to help get the connection for the gunship that came in. I oh, I got the connection for everything. He didn't have any commo. He finally lost his battery totally, and um, but how he got out was the next day. The, the weather was bad. It was bad for us. It was bad for him. And he got out, but we didn't get out. So, yeah. yeah. But again, during the night, for that period of time, because he wasn't cool-headed. Let's just leave it at he, that point. He was absolutely, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I mean, he was under attack. They were trying to. And they tried to burn him out he was on top on, of his, it. His position was on fire. <laughs> he, was, he had run out of ammo. He ran out of uh, of ammo and he was using his pistol, and uh, I they never, were throwing stones. Well, maybe <laughs> I don't know, but he he had his pistol and Gray. I don't know about Gray, but I would assume they both ran out. Of yeah, ammo. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at some point, uh, for some reason, two years later, we were in that target at night using Spectre, and we would throw hand grenades. We're getting low on hand grenades, so yeah. Sal Chow went out and got rocks. <laughs> So you throw a rock, you hear him run away. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they were scary at night. Yeah. And I, th- and I remember that <clears throat> Jennings, because that was one of the stories that Jennings said that when they, were, they had some hand grenades, and when the enemy get close, they started throwing rocks at him. <laughs> I couldn't hear Jennings, but I could hear some of the um, FM traffic from some of the air, because they, they brought in, um, I think they brought in Spectre. Yeah, was, to keep them, to try to keep them away from him. You know? They were able to somehow. Spectre, and it wasn't Spectre. Was the um, after we had Spooky, uh-huh. then they came up with the uh, the C119s, and the first one was um, they had that Stingers, and then Shadow was the first one. And I think that was when we the first team yeah. that I'm aware of, at least from FOB one. Yeah, where yeah. They said, yeah, they had they had Shadow, yeah. and it was really good. And hovered over them, and that circled over them. Yep. And yep. then they, they they may have gone through two gunships that night. They did go through. There were several aircraft that came out there and tried to save his ass. And, and they did. Uh, and they did save his ass, but I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought he was finished, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a hell of a thing, something that you never <laughs> expect to happen, you know. But Indeed. Was, yeah. So how does all this uh, – so what leads to you uh, eventually getting into the Army? What's, where does all this begin? Where did you grow up as a kid? Oh, 
You know, can I can I finish a little bit of the story? Please, we're yeah, not in a hurry. Okay, yeah. well, I, yeah. I, this is Jocko's so, time. <laughs> what <laughs> happened was, in my case, yeah. even though Jennings got out, I couldn't get out. And um, so we stayed there for a total of 10 days. That's right. I we weren't supposed part. to be in there 10 days. No, it was five supposed to mission. be a five-day mission, typical, you know, and usually they didn't last that long. But... And you packed light on chow, so you guys got really hungry. We ate it every damn bit of it. We <laughs> ate all of our chow. We drank all of our water. We were out at, at about day five, and uh, they couldn't come. The bad bad weather, you know, bad whiskey x-ray. Oh, it just man. kept up and kept up and kept up. And finally, so we started drinking water out of the, the mud puddles right. up there, and, uh, and uh, we had no chow. And then finally, finally, uh, they, they sent out. Choppers to get us. They had a break in the in the clouds, and we 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 bailed onto the helicopter. I sat down on my leg, which is I don't think I could do it today. But <laughs> my leg got under, and so off we went. And uh, the 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 crew had sandwiches and beer for us. Uh, the, really? The, yeah, the helicopter crew did. Yeah, and uh, they knew we hadn't eaten in a, right. in a long yeah, time. Yeah. You know, so they had beer and sandwiches on the chopper. And uh, we came back, and uh, uh, when I got to Fubai, that's where they brought us, you know. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of guys uh, out there waiting for us, you know, because they had been following the whole thing. Oh, of course, so yeah. Like, well, Tony so, Harrell was worried. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes <laughs> the teams those... didn't come back, you know. That's right. And uh, so we came back, we landed there, and there were a bunch of guys out there waiting for us. And that was one of the cooler memories I've got of Vietnam was coming back and seeing those guys, you know. Oh, yeah. So so that ended. That was a 10-day mission. wasn't supposed to be, but that's what it was. Yeah. God. And then we – did you hear much enemy activity during the time so you could make uh, intel reports? Or was it one of those deals where? No, actually what happened was they were out looking for us. They knew we were there, but and we could hear them, and we could hear them at night, but they never found us. And we had a good, we had a good spot. We were behind a lot of rocks, yeah. and uh, they just never connected. So, so. Your brew team done good. Yeah, the brew team done good, and we never got to compromise. So anyway, well, that no, was it. But I understand what you're saying because yeah. a lot of times the guys we get out on the launch pad, if we knew they were coming back, yeah, sometimes the team would be pulled and nobody know. Well, you know, they'd, they'd stick around the radio room and check in on the teams. How are they doing? What's going on? Sure. And this one's kind of a little behind schedule, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so got Five days behind. Yeah. yeah. So, That's anyway. got to be one of the longest missions ever. That was a long <laughs> one for me, and I kept thinking, you know, I just thought, when in the hell are they going to be able to come and get us? You assume that, oh, well, tomorrow there will be a break in the weather oh, the day yeah. after that, but no, it just kept being bad. Well, we had that five me. days in the DMZ, yep. and yep. then a month earlier we had five days like that in Laos too. Yep. Well, it moves in on you. And so fast. You can't get out. So anyway, I, that was a digression, but I, I just wanted to cover that. <laughs> well, it was a precious moment. Yeah. You, those are the things you For remember. For me, it was what oh, I remembered, yeah. yeah. One of the things I remembered, yeah. Yeah, because we had that one where we were in a firefight right down to the last light. We come home. Nobody's there because they had a floor show. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> hey, it's a floor show. Come on over. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, But that's a most. So, so how does this all begin? Where did it get you, A, interested in the Army at all, and B, where did you be, grow up as a kid? I grew up in uh, Orange, California, which for those 
not from California. It's just near Disneyland, uh, near the city of Anaheim, small town at the time. And uh, I was going to college uh, at a junior college and was uh, bored. You know, I just, I was boredom. I knew Vietnam was going on, and uh, I wanted to get some adventure and some action. So I didn't know anything about the military. I had no military background or knowledge or anything. And I, I, I thought about going into the Marine Corps. I thought, but my nice son, uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice looking uniforms out yeah, there. Yeah. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> but I, but myself and three other guys joined as um, on the buddy system. Oh, is know? that right? Yeah, yeah. So we went in and uh, uh, just. We would all sit around talking about it, you know, and we just did it. And uh, I was uh, basic training up at Fort Ord. So that's. So, so where does the SF thing come in? <laughs> you get a recruiter come through? We're looking for a recruiter people? come through basic training. And, and uh, what happened with me was that uh, I was, um, in order to get in the military, because I was colorblind, I had to um, take a, a non combat MOS. So when I went into basic, I was scheduled to be a clerk typist. Well, <laughs> you know, one step at a time. Yeah. I didn't want to be a clerk typist, but that's all that I could do. Yeah, yeah. And then when the SF recruiter came in there, I'm going, yeah, I'll, I'll volunteer. Well, when I did that, they rerouted me and took me off of clerk typist and put me into the infantry, AIT, infantry training there at Fort, Fort sure. Ord. Yeah. So uh, back in those days, it wasn't computerized. It was a little looser. They didn't pick up the fact that I was colorblind, and they you know, sent me to infantry, <laughs> AIT. So that's how I got going in that direction. you know. And from there, I went to jump school, and from there I went to training. What was your time frame here? Uh, I went in in November of 66. Yeah, November I was in 16. December. November. Yeah, you and I went through training group together. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's how it turned out. So I went from, and they never picked it up. They didn't. Nobody <laughs> looked anymore about my color blindness. And by the time I went through jump school, that got passed over too. And so perfect. Yeah. So yeah. then you arrived the Company A uh, Special Company Forces A. Training Group. Yep. Spider Parks was there. Yep. Tony Harrell. Who else? Rick Howard. Rick Howard. Uh, I don't know. Ron Owens. Ron Owens was there. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty. Well, I don't know how big the class was. I'm jumping ahead in my thinking, but it was, I don't know, it was a pretty good size. It was. Common class, yeah. Yeah. Of course, did you get recycled? Because McIntyre and I got recycled. We were just slow on it. And we had Sergeant, uh, Sergeant First Class Villa Rosa that was Villa our. Villa Rosa, yeah. He was an instructor there. But he helped us when we got recycled. No, I didn't get recycled. No, you were good. <laughs> you were a quick learner, yeah. right? As opposed <laughs> to those dunderheads. Not that quick. But <laughs> <laughs> so... So that that was it. I, I thought I thought you and I graduated at the same time, but I guess what happened was we. Oh, you know, I I got hurt. Maybe that's why we resynced because right. I, I got hurt. Uh, With the FTX. Thing. No, I was screwing around. And oh, okay. <laughs> hurt my arm, and that took I took me out for a couple of weeks. I think. And then we had TDY down in Georgia for twelve weeks. Yep. Uh, then we yep. had a week leave, and then I mean a month leave. Yep. And then at the end of April '68, we all landed at uh, the Trang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I came in one day before you guys. Uh, there Is that was, right? Yeah, there was. I think there was twenty three or twenty four of us that all went down there together. Yeah, yeah. And then we had the uh, first night in country get mortared. Yep, mortar came in. Welcome to Vietnam. <laughs> Indeed, took out some of the <laughs> yeah. dis next door. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 
And that was my first, uh, hell, I was just getting settled in, you know, and then we yeah, had both of us. Like, yeah. and then we go down to the weapons room to go through the wall, and the weapons room was locked. Yep. Yep. And just watched, went out. Sitting sit. ducks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you remember that experience when you're done with the in country training? Mm-hmm. How you volunteered? How the recruiter comes out and said, We're looking for volunteers or something yeah. like that? You know, I, people don't believe it. Uh huh. I mean, I know that some people have heard it, but uh, it was really true. When we got into Natrang, uh, I wanted to get in the field. I, I wanted some action. I didn't yeah. want to be a, a radio operator in a B team or something like that, you know. Sure. And so I'm asking around, and quite a few of us were asking around, how do I, you know, how do we get out of this? Otherwise, we're going to get stuck, you know. <laughs> and some headquarters company, and they said, well, yeah. you can, you can get, you can get some action. We there is a unit you can go to. You got to volunteer, you know. And uh, so we. I don't know. I don't remember talking to anybody about it, but but I volunteered, and a lot of us volunteered for uh, CNC detachment. And you'd try to find out what what it was or what they did. Nobody would tell you. They wouldn't no, tell you a damn no. thing, you know. <laughs> and then they got us all together in that room and, and gave didn't, us. Some, at that time, was in Denang. Yep, that was in. Uh, was it in the wasn't in the train? No, it was Denang. We went Denang? Up for the briefing. Okay. Yeah, they had House Twenty Two, and then they drove us over in the morning. Okay. Yeah, that, that's right. So we sat there, and they gave us the briefing, and we signed off on uh, secrecy. 20-year NDA. Yep, yep. And, and off we went, you know. And then they sent us off to different places within CNC detachment. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, I, I took that signature, that secrecy signature. I just didn't say anything about it for the next 20 years. And, yeah. And then it came out. I mean, bit by bit it came out. But, yeah, so for off sure. I went. And yeah. I went to uh, – I went to Quezon, uh, and oh, and then we got split up in different different oh, directions. Yeah. yeah, and Quezon, I mean, just what was it like being there as a you know going in? We had FOB three was there, yeah. and Quezon's known for the Marine Corps base that was right, there. Right, right, right. We had a separate outside of their wire, separate wire between the two bases. Yeah, yeah. Because they didn't like our little people being around. They, they wouldn't allow them on their bases. They right. didn't let their they didn't let any of our people, even though we would be with them, and we, you know, but they didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't let them. And was like being being regularly rocketed and mortared every day. Well, when when uh, <laughs> when I left Da Nang, uh, they told me when you get to Quezon, you know, when you get there, whatever. If you're in an aircraft and the aircraft leaves, the aircraft will drop you off and take off. Or if you come in vehicle, get out of the vehicle and run like hell, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's exactly what I did. I didn't know anything about <laughs> it, but when I got there and I pulled in the gate, holy shit! There, it was like the moon. There was nothing left. It had all been bombed away, you know. Sure. During Tet. So you and, drove up from Fubai. Yeah, I drove up from Fubai, <laughs> and uh, so I pulled in there, and I, I I was driving a deuce and a half, pulling a uh, trailer, and. Um, I pulled over to the side, and I just took off and headed for a trench. And that's all there was, was trenches, you know. Sure, yeah. And I got in there, and then things kind of calmed down. But every day, every day that I was there, uh, you take incoming. Oh, uh, You couldn't. There was no way to have a concentration of troops of any size or that, that lob one on you, you know. So that was routine. You know, that was just the way it was. God. And, 
Uh, your bunkers were deep enough that uh, everything was down under, and you didn't stick your head up unless you had to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, we had one guy that did it, sat yeah. on his bunk, yeah, and got hit with a piece of shrapnel, yeah. They yeah. came in from a rocket or something and took well, them out. Well, the, <clears throat> the, the common room and some of the central offices were, shit, they had big rocks and all kinds of reinforcement over the top of them, you know. But some of the other stuff was not quite as well protected. Right. And, um, so, but I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't get hit by anything while I was there. I tried to be as careful as I could. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on that first time up there, you drive a truck up, yeah. a deuce and a half. Yeah. But th- was there another time that you had to drive a deuce and a half up to Quezon <clears throat> under somewhat different circumstances? Well, no, that was my that was my trip to Quezon. That, oh. was, that, was, <laughs> that was only one of those. Because this is like, it's not really a war story, but it sure is a story. It's crazy. So, so how does this all begin then? Well, if you okay, here we go. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you, you guys are not going to believe this. Um, I I got sent to Quezon, and I was sent over to House Twenty Two, which is a safe house in Denang. Yeah, safe house in Denang, and I was told over the wait somebody would come and pick me up. So myself and uh, John Smith Smitty, we call him Smitty, right, and a supply sergeant by the name of Charlie Tar. We're all going to go to Quezon. We waited, and after a couple of days, we hear our names being called down at the bottom of the the, uh, the door, you know, the entry door. Right. Sergeant Estes, Sergeant Tar, Sergeant Smith. And uh, those two guys, they got, they got to – we had the equipment to drive up to Quezon. And uh, they got the um, – uh, one of them drove a Jeep, and one of them drove something else. And um, So it was a small convoy. Well, you, we, you had the deuce and a half? I had the deuce and a half and the uh, uh, the trailer of rations for the club was really what it was for and then the kitchen. So, um, <clears throat> And just for people, deuce and a half is a two-and-a-half-ton military truck. Yeah, yeah. Stick shift. Yeah. Canvas top. <laughs> So they were in the convoy out of Da Nang. They were already there. And myself and Potter and the Jeep, that was a medic Jeep with the cross on it, you know? Sure. And uh, Regular ambulance. Yeah, yeah. It looked like an ambulance. And, and a, a co, a Vietnamese girl was there. And she was in an Arvin uh, Army uniform. uniform. Yeah. But it's not an ordinary co. This is no. One she has some special traits. Special yeah, talents. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, some would say ill so, repute. Yeah, that's exactly what she was. But she's dressed up for this occasion in an Arvin in an nurse's Arvin, uniform. Yep, yep, she's in an Arvin uniform. So none of this made any sense to me. But I'm in with Potter, and he says we got to get out of Da Nang and get into that convoy to go to Fubai, which was the next stop on the way to Quezon. Indeed. And it started to get dark, and the reason that he was in a hurry and tried to avoid any Vietnamese checks was the girl. He was trying to get out of Da Nang with the girl in the Jeep. The closer it got to dark, the faster he drove. And pretty soon he was hauling ass all over <laughs> Da Nang, going down roads. If he saw a checkpoint, he'd turn around and go back and then go down to the next one. She got scared, and she was, a, just as you mentioned, you know, she was a, a, a prostitute that he had found there in Da Nang <laughs> and paid her with, or paid her mamasan with uh, uh, club money. You know, they gave it. To, they gave it. They gave him the money to buy food and liquor, and instead he spent it on this prostitute. So she is in the. She's in the jeep, 
And pretty soon she starts bawling and carrying on, and he's telling her to shut up. He says, you shut your mouth. He says, I paid a lot of money for you, and <laughs> you, know, you do what I say. So he had her get a, an mm. IV, uh, a fake IV, hanging from the top of the Jeep right. and run up a, a – uh, the, 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 the tube yeah. down to this uh, roll of blankets yeah. to make it look like she was giving an IV to a guy. Sure. So this is what she did, and she's crying and carrying on, cl- claiming he's dinky now and trying to get me to do something about it, and I had no idea what the hell was going on. And we got out. We got out of Da Nang. We made the convoy, and then the next day we headed for Quezon. The problem was is that <laughs> as I got north of Fubai, uh, everybody in my convoy, that's Smitty and uh, uh, the lieutenant and Charlie, were ahead of me. I was the last yeah. guy, and I'm driving the deuce and a half with the, with the rations. And we were on an elevated road to going through the rice paddies. Right. Oh. And it got higher and higher, and it got narrow. Well, I flipped the damn trailer of liquor and rations. And rations. And uh, over she went. I cut the convoy in half. Everybody behind me then couldn't go forward, you know, right. because we were in the rice paddies. And the brew smelled the broken liquor, the the local villagers, you know, that were around there. Yeah, yeah. So they ran up and they started stealing it. And I jumped out of the truck with a, they gave me an M16 down in uh, Natrang when I came in. I jumped out of the truck. I'm running around telling them, you know, trying to get them to stop it. I'm waving the rifle and all this stuff. And I called for the Marines. There were Marines in the convoy. I said, hey, you guys get over here and help me stop these brew from stealing all the booze. The Marines came over and they started stealing. So at that point, the brew were stealing. I was running around the truck. Finally, uh, a gunny, a Marine yeah. gunny came over there, and he put a stop to his Marines stealing, and, and they helped me chase the brew off. <laughs> we re- we got the trailer. We all got together and pushed the trailer back up. Oh, my but God. But at that point, at that point, I had cut the convoy in half with my wreck, and uh, we, had to, <laughs> we had to go back to Fubai. And, uh, and then the next day, uh. we went on up to Quezon. Well, when we got to Quezon, that's when I mentioned I got on. I drove in the gate and yeah. ran like hell. Yeah. The lieutenant that had put all this together and spent the lieutenant money. club Potter. money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was him. Uh, <laughs> he was standing at parade rest guarding the girl who he brought up there. And uh, Colonel Barr had just taken command of the uh, – Colonel Barr had just taken command of Quezon. And he booted both of them out. Told him to get out of the camp and go someplace else. He was all happy about her. Presence. He didn't like it one bit, <laughs> and um, so that was how I got to. That's my grand entry into Quezon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's yeah. just too funny. That was that was funny. It was crazy at the time. I'm thinking that nobody would believe this. You no. Know? So. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, tragically, uh, Lieutenant Potter was one of the 60 K- 16 yeah. KIAs on yeah. August 23rd, 68, yep. when the. Uh, during the attack of FOB4. Yeah, yeah. And fortunately, we, you and I both missed that. At least yeah. I missed it. You you were up north too then. No, I, yeah, I was at Mylock. Yeah, okay. I was at Mylock at the time, yeah. And so uh, during this time, or what was, so they closed Quezon. FOB3 was closed at the end of June. Mm-hmm. Then they opened Mylock. Right. And then did you go over with a team, or did you just go over as part no, of the transition? I, I was just part of the transition. I was still doing radio. Uh, and work. Clyde Sincere, the, the, then the major Sincere was the was the OIC for yep. 
Mylock, you had to put that together. Yeah. Go from red clay <clears throat> to mud at Mylock, a lot of mud. A lot of mud, yeah. In fact, that's one of the few pictures I got as we were trying to put up some some uh, buildings and stuff. Is the dozer got, the dozer got stuck and was uh, was the bulldozer got stuck. The bulldozer was like seventy five percent covered. You know, I Whoa. mean, it was it dropped yeah, yeah. way down. So uh, yeah, I've got some good pictures of that <laughs> slimy mud. <laughs> yeah, in my lock. That was pretty primitive. I mean, it was out there kind of all by itself. Sure. And, uh, but also, they they ran missions out of there. Oh yeah. And then of course, um, one of the more tragic missions of our time there was uh, November thirtieth when they lost yeah. a mission for eldest son. Yeah. Were you still at my lock for that? By that no, time? by that time I had uh, I was at Fubai. Right. You know, I was at Fubai and. Uh, was supposed to go on that mission, uh, myself and Rick Howard. Yeah, the day before, mm-hmm. and Lynn Black and Tim Schaaf and a couple mm-hmm. others were scheduled. We uh, we didn't. There didn't seem to. You know, it was an insertion, eldest son insertion. And an eldest son is ammo that's rigged to explode when the enemy uses yeah, it. Yeah, we were gonna. It was all pretty simple. We we're gonna put it along the trail, and we got uh, again weather. You know, sure. We uh, had been scheduled twice, two days. To, to go out, and then we, we got scrubbed because of weather, and they said, we'll try it again tomorrow, and they got scrubbed, and then they launched out of Mylock. Yeah, it was right around Thanksgiving. The whole chopper went down, yeah. Yeah, so we were down at TDY at FOB6 at the time, and then uh, we were literally in the field, and they pulled us out after yeah. the word came down and said, you got to get back to FOB1. Yeah. Just lost six guys or seven guys. Six, seven, yeah. seven guys, I think, and that was a <laughs> terrible... Uh, that hurt. Uh, yeah, that and was terrible. The entire Kingby crew. Yeah, we, uh, Rick and I, looked at each other, you know. There's not anything you can say. It's no, just, oh. but by the grace of the Lord, one day early, that could have been you. That was it. it you got shot out of the sky with anti-aircraft and weaponry. Yeah, nothing you can do about it, you know, just the way war is. Hell yeah. Yeah, so. So, um uh, when they closed FOB one, you also moved down to F, down to uh, CCN. FOB four was changed to CCN. Yeah, and, and you came down there with Crusader. I came down there with Crusader. Yeah, and you that had that point. one mission. Any other missions that stick out in your mind at this time? I, I don't. None of the ones that I did. I I ran. You know, I like I said, I strap him. I strap hung when I could. Sure. Um, we had a couple other routines. No, I don't. Nothing of any real significance. I was scheduled to go to um, the Mugia Pass. Oh, one of those deals. Yeah, and and so uh, I got ready to go, and we started training for it and talking about it and looking at the aerials and all of that. And then uh, they took us down to Saigon, and there was my, my myself and. Um, I think Doug Godshall said, I think he said he was on it. There were like four teams picked to do it. And uh, I came back. I did a VR. I, I, I flew over. I went to NKP and then went out over the uh, the AO. But it never happened. You know, it never happened. And finally, I derosed. I, I came home. Right. Yeah. So when you flew over Mugia Pass, what uh-huh. was that VR like? Did you take anti-aircraft fire there? No. No, we didn't take any anti-aircraft fire. There was a, the pilot was very evasive, I'll put it that way. He was good. He was good. Yeah. And he kept asking me if he, he said, you know, you want a, you want a, a bag, a puke bag. You know? Sure. 
And uh, I said, nah, that's all right. I don't get sick. I'm not, 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 you know, I got sicker than shit. <laughs> I said, hey, man, I got to open the window here to get some fresh air. But anyway, we went out and we took a look at it. Uh, it, was, it was pretty dicey. The whole thing was pretty dicey. And we were up quite a ways up. Well, the plan know. was to put you on top of a plateau. Yep. Heavy with claymores. Yep. Etc. And this way, monitor the traffic, call an airstrike. But the, again, the key would be weather. You would need clear weather to execute that. Yeah, because that Mugia Pass was one of the narrow, most narrow passes yeah. of the supplies coming from North Vietnam into Laos. Yep. And from there, we'd go down the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Yep. Critical pass. The Air Force pounded it. And the reason why I'm a little bit familiar with it too is the picture on the cover of, on the ground. We were being inspected and briefed on that target. Same thing. And that was April of '69. And but yeah. we weren't briefed like you to have four teams to talk about it. Yeah, they. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think Art Driscoll was in on that too. I don't remember exactly. Right. I just kind of paid attention to to my part. But uh, yeah, we we it was serious, but it was also like very political. They were afraid that somebody might get picked up as a POW up there. They were concerned about that part, and of course we were. Out, yeah. of, out of country, you know. Sure, yeah. So it never, and as I understand it, it never went down. Uh, it never happened. But they had the, the State Department clearances. They had some uh, CIA operatives, but they weren't they weren't Americans. You know, they had some CIA right. contacts over there with getting some intel. But no, that was that was pretty dicey. And then and then the ability to get you out was different too. Absolutely, was a long, long, long ways away. So, oh yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah. The, I would have been the most further north target of any SOG team. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah. across the DMZ River, I forget how far up now. It was a long ways up. It was quite a ways. It was up. a ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we briefed on it's like, well, okay, we'll try anything once. <laughs> yeah, take once, the clay yeah. mortars. I have the sixty mortars. We're going to take those with us too. Yeah, and then we got canceled. We had gone up to uh, Fubai at the uh, Camp Eagle. To launch out oh, of yeah. there, yeah, and then um, th- they pulled the plug on it. Something happened. Like we, I think we had aircraft shot down. That's why I was asking about the anti-aircraft. Yeah, no, no, we didn't take any anti-aircraft. He was a good pilot. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so at what point you get out of the army, go forward, and you get into a civilian career, and then you also stayed in the National Guard. I went back into, not the National Guard, but the Reserves, you know. Okay, yeah, yes. Army Reserves, yeah. I went back in. I took a break. I was busy doing what you do, you know. I got <laughs> married and had kids, and we were... The just, process of making a family of five. Yeah, working, working. That's right. I was on the way to Indeed. my family of five, just working. But then I went back in and uh, hope, hopefully seeing some of my old buddies. Sure. That was with the 12th group, the 12th Special Forces yeah, with group. The 12th group, Reserve yeah. unit mm-hmm. at that time. But there was, uh, I didn't see any of my old friends, but I made new ones, and I, I enjoy those kind of people, you know. So we Well, it's at this point, I have to ask you, Rick, when did you get the most serious injury of your military career? <laughs> In the reserves. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, here's a, you had a whole tour of duty with Saad. Yeah. Survived Quezon, FOB1, and almost went to the Mugia Pass. Yeah. And talk a little bit about uh, your time there getting we, your... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we we were on a routine training exercise out of Los Alamos, Los Alamitos, California, mm-hmm. right. down, the base uh, for your reserve. Yeah, unit. yeah, that's where we reported. And uh, 
there was a, a, a aviation unit that flew us out there. They were getting some f- flying time for them, and we went out and just did. We were going to do some routine training, and we did. We sent us up to Bishop, uh, Bishop, California, right. which is right at the base of the Sierras, about two hundred and probably two hundred or two hundred fifty miles north of L.A. And coming home, um, uh, myself and uh, part of my team were, uh, I was a commo guy, a commo sergeant. Sure. And uh, the helicopter crashed. The uh, pilot was doing some maneuvers from Vietnam. And we didn't know. the earth? Yeah. Well, he was showing off, I think. In my opinion, that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know him. We didn't know him. They were an aviation unit. So the helicopter crashed and got totally destroyed. And um, at the time, I didn't really—I think I went out for a, f- a few minutes because I thought it was just a matter of seconds. But um, uh, when I came to, my seat had collapsed and I'd hit the floor. My team sergeant got ejected from the helicopter and he died. Whoa. Uh, Bill Miranda, great guy, yeah, he got thrown out. The weapons man, Jimmy Ellington, who was sitting across from me in the Huey, uh, he broke his back clean from the nipples down. And Jimmy died um, about three years later. Uh, and George Lim, who I didn't know at the time, but he was the crew chief, and he got ejected out of the helicopter too and went into the mud face first. When I realized that we had crashed the way we had, like it knocked me silly, and I looked around and I could see fuel spewing out of the gas tank, and it scared the shit out of me. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so I took a dive out of the helicopter to try to get away from it because I was sure it was going to go up. And uh, what I didn't know was that I'd broken my ankle, and um, what happened was I fell right into the fuel, uh, right into the goddamn fuel. <laughs> oh, and. No. Uh, <laughs> So there I was, and I had one of those military sweaters on, and I'd soaked it up. And then some of the guys, we had another chopper in the uh, in the formation. They sat down, they came, they picked me up, took me out of the fuel, and set me off to the side. And um, and then uh, basically at that point, I had a what they call a flailed chest. You know, I had a broken ankle and a flailed chest, and my lungs collapsed. And uh, so oh I spent I spent a a little less than a month in the hospital, and then I got out. So that was for me. It was you know I I I recovered pretty well. And uh, oh yeah, but Bill, we lost Bill. You know, we lost Jimmy later. Sure, later, so. three years later. Yeah, so that was it. Yeah, that was it. And then, um, <clears throat> but dedicated servant to our country that you are. You stayed in, stayed in. And then when you're, let me make sure I get this right. When you're age fifty eight, age fifty eight. You deployed to Iraq. I went to Iraq at 58, yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about <laughs> well, that, sir. I mean, that's still just amazing. I mean, the numbers. Yeah. Just a little different. I mean, I, you're still deploying I, 30 I, years after Vietnam. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 35 years. It came as a surprise, you know. I, I it just said you've been uh, you've been mobilized or you've been, I think the order Because you're still you in 12th. Or, no, or no. At that then, point, then you're going to SOCOM. I was with SOCOM. Yeah, I had I had uh, transferred out of the 12th. I was uh, uh, drilling out of McDill, and was with SOCOM. So and, you had to fly over to McDill just for your drills, then? Yeah, 
Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, but but I didn't have to go every month. I would I would go down there and spend a month or a month and a half. I was self-employed, and I could sure worked it out that way. It was better that way, and um, so I got the orders, and I had thirty days to get ready. And uh, I remember your going away party. Yeah, yeah, you came to my going away party. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're going to do what? <laughs> yeah, was, when Becky called and said, we're going to have this going away party. Yeah, her said, and I. <laughs> yeah, so is he going to go to France? And he always talked about it. Saying, yeah. No, no, he's going to Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, my God. So we, uh, <laughs> we went over there, and I spent uh, – I didn't spend a full year. I spent like nine months. That was the orders. And yeah. uh, I went to um, – I started off at uh, – uh, Biop, there by the Biop base, and uh, it, it was one of Saddam's palaces, Rodwania Palace, and that's where. Uh, and what year was this again? Oh three, I got there in in December of '03, and I came home okay. in '04. Yeah, yeah. So we started off at the Rodwania Palace, and then uh, I went on R and R, and when I came back, uh, the, the decision had been made to relocate to Balad, the big air base. And uh, so from that point on, I spent quite a little bit of time getting getting things ready over there at the new location, and then I I, I uh, just worked in operations. So by then you're an E8 master sergeant. Yeah, right? I was a master sergeant. Yeah. So what was your role there? Well, there I <clears throat> I worked with um, I was a liaison with the teams that were in the field. Right. And no field duty for me. I was at 58. They kept me in, <laughs> wisely kept me inside, and when I was at um, uh, Rodmania, I, I uh, was an LNO for SOCOM. I, uh, I think the first CAV was there, and uh, you've heard that maybe heard of Camp Victory there sure. right outside of Baghdad. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was the LNO. I was a liaison with uh, them and me, one other major unit. And so. Wow. So I came in there and, and briefed them on, the, you know, what SOCOM was doing. Certainly. Was yeah. So then you come back home, and, and during that time, were you did you have your real estate company up and running by that time, or were you doing another entrepreneurship no, I had the, thing? I had, uh, <laughs> no, I had the real estate company, and yeah. uh, I came back and took over. I had a friend that uh, stepped in for me as the broker, and I told him and m- my manager, I said, you know, from the time I get on the chopper or the time I get on the aircraft, I'll put all of this out of my mind until I come back. And I did, you know, I just... Sure. I didn't think about it. I figured, you know, it'll either be there when I get back or it won't be. But I didn't worry about it. You know. <laughs> and it was still there. It was still there. So. so you had your real estate company up in Riverside County. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when did all that start? How long have you been doing that? Oh, I, I got into real estate um, and I was about 30 years old. Pretty quick, you know. And I, I basically stayed in it the rest of my life. The company... Was a I'd been doing property management for about twenty years, mm-hmm. so but I my my entire career was real estate, other than just a few years as a young guy out of the military, you know. Sure. Yeah. This is all before you became a vinter. This is before I became a vinter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hobby. A hobby vinter. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. But you, you take a lot of grief in that. But I've heard compliments about your wine, so. Well, it's it's taken a long time. It's I'm in eleven year mark right now, and I'm still working on it. But Is it the eleven last, years already? Yeah, it's been eleven years. Well, you came out and visited. Yeah, the very yeah, yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. but you I had like a hundred and thirteen trees, and you had a couple of saplings. Somebody that you're just getting started. I was just getting started. I ended up with two hundred and forty vines, something like that, and oh. and it makes a lot of wine. And uh, 
So I bottle up several hundred bottles a year and just give it sure. to, I give it to friends and <laughs> <laughs> my kids and, and anybody that'll take it, you know. It, it's been pretty good the last few years. Yeah. Outstanding. But it wasn't in the early part. No, and then during that time too, um, uh, you and I, Rick Howard, a bunch of other guys, all joined the uh, Special Operations Association. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you served as president for six years. That's crazy. It is. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, and you're you, still you're still relatively sane. No, no I only did it no, for three years. I you know. did six. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, actually, you're the one that told me about SOAR. And we all got together. Some of us got together that first time. I don't know how many years ago that's been, but it's been like many twenty years or twenty-one. We for, that's the time we went up with Billy Hoops, right? Yeah. Oh no, before I think we were going before, before that. that? But yeah, okay. we, we did go yeah. with Billy. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I did it for six years, um, and that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So it was like we're we're heading down the the home stretch here. Yeah. Is there anything else at this point, in, in, either in terms of reflection or thoughts on family or anything else about your career or what brought you into um, the uh, top special operations group during the Vietnam War? Now that you can talk about it, for 20 years we could. Yeah, yeah. No other than the quality of the people. I, I can't imagine a better group of people to know and to serve with than, than what I did there. They. You know, you, you talk about having somebody's back or something like that, and that's the one thing that you go in, you you know that they're going to come and get you if they can. Oh, yeah. And so that makes you, you know, that's a lasting, um, the lasting friendships, people that you met there and you never forget. And as we get older, there's fewer and fewer of them. But, I mean, they're still just like, uh, they're in some ways, they're even closer than family. It's the damnedest thing, but that's true. You know? Well, being under enemy fire yeah. and living to talk about it another day yeah. Yeah. clearly has its own dynamic. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just had the, gr- you know, great, great people. It was an experience of a lifetime. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that thought, sir, we'll, um, we'll close it up here and uh, – <clears throat> we want to give our thanks to all the men and women in our armed services who have fought and bled for this country. We also thank the Border Patrol, law enforcement, first responders, EMT, corrections officers, and just anybody out there uh, fighting to do the right thing in our country today. And uh, we take, we thank the men and women who have served in years past, men like Rick Estes that have served our country. We're grateful for that. And we also remember and salute the men and women who have not been able to return that are amongst the 1,581 service members still missing in action today in Southeast Asia from the Vietnam War, 50 of which were Green Berets from the Secret War. And again, as always, we thank Jocko Willink Productions and his staff for making all this possible in conjunction with SOG Chronicles. Until next time. God bless America. God bless America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.